Hey, episode three, have you subscribed to the podcast yet? This is the intro for the audio version of Hashtag Raw and Relentless. And I say that because this is like some sneaky stuff that I get to say before the show that most people who watch us on YouTube don't even get to hear, which is kind of cool, huh? Maybe we'll maybe we'll put some Easter eggs in here in the future. So if you're listening to the audio version of this right now, make sure you're subscribed on wherever you're listening to podcasts. And also, if you're ever curious about what the show looks like or if you hear us talking about things, you know, I know with in, in the last episode, me and Brian, we were talking about this UFO video. And if you're only listening to it on an audio, there's no way that you could have seen the video that we were talking about because it was very clearly shown. I actually looped it on repeat so that way you could see every single detail of that video on the actual youtube channel so go over and subscribe on youtube if you haven't already after you listen to this show and this is the third episode and we got my buddy clark kegley now if you follow personal development channels on youtube you've probably heard of him because he's really big in the law of attraction space his channel is called clark kegley refusing to settle and that's kind of his catchphrase refuse to settle but on top of having a very successful YouTube channel, I believe that channel has over 300,000 subscribers. And my man, secret, little secret, he started a TikTok 10 days ago. It already has 30,000 subscribers on that TikTok. My man is popping on social media. And so for this episode, episode three, um, I also want you to know that he is the drummer for a famous rock band who you've probably heard of. It's called Andrew WK. They've been around for a long time and he is the current drummer. They travel the world, go on world tours. Uh, he has some pretty dope videos of him playing in front of 30,000 people at Warped Tour, which is pretty dope. So I um, hope you enjoy the episode. Sit back, relax, and enjoy yourself some R&R. Episode three. I, I got love for the game. start this let's just fucking cheers it up it's not a podcast unless you crack one of these open patrick Boom. you recording cheers. over there yes. hell yeah welcome to the first ever episode or recorded episode we're gonna end up giving these guys a few episodes to binge watch on the day that we've launched the podcast on this youtube channel so if you're watching this go and binge watch the other ones um but anyways we got clark kegley the first official recorded episode and it is in the books. It's official. How you doing, man? Good, man. Congratulations. This is sick. I'm so studio. stoked for this. Even though, like, obviously, you know, it's just starting the channel. We, we're just starting small, right? But if you're watching now, just know you're one of the first people watching this podcast. And even if it's slow growth, we're going to keep this going for the next 20 years. So get used to hearing my voice, motherfuckers. <laughs> yeah. What's the goal with it? What's this the is ultimate? the long-term... This is the long-term path because I've always wanted to figure out how can I branch out from the dating niche um, because obviously I don't want, I mean, do you really want to be the 55-year-old dude talking about approaching women? So There's some of those guys. There are those guys, but eventually you have to level up, right? And so for me, um, even the people that I served with, any of the businesses that I ran, um, I wanted to be able to branch out and kind of just to go in whatever direction felt right at that time. And so this is more me planning for the future. Um, and so I consider this podcast to be the hub, right? So imagine if we have the hub in the center mm -hmm. and then uh, and it's raw and relentless, and then there's an offshoot called 
raw dating advice. There's another offshoot called raw business advice. There's another offshoot called raw fitness advice, whatever it might be, but this will be the hub to where anybody who enjoins on those other branches can listen to this podcast and get overall value. You know what I'm saying? Sick, man. Do you ever think that it's not something I think about a lot? So I tour in a band as well. And we're always with musicians and stuff like big, big musicians. We're at a f- festival in Germany, download festivals in a catering van with the guy in Allison chains and stuff like that. Like, so big names. And I was going to this one and this guy, uh, we were talking about this band that was playing. I'm like, Oh yeah, I like their old stuff and you know, their new stuff, uh, their new albums They kind of went off the rails and he's like, Whoa, 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 let me give you some advice. He did one of those moments. Like back in my day, it's like, you always compliment the people's new stuff You never just compliment their old stuff. And I was thinking about it. And then he got out of the car, went to catering, whatever. And I'm like, okay, that works in like music industry, but I think it's deeper. I think it's like as entrepreneurs or creatives, we always want to reinvent ourselves over and over. And when we get in these creative ruts of doing the same thing over and over and over again, you know, like I feel that I know you probably feel it too. So do you feel like some of the podcast like branching out and like going for these new things um, is like trying to like reinvent it and not get stuck in like this one box. Does that make sense? Um, yeah, I mean, I guess you could see, I, I definitely see it from that side too. Um, for me, it was definitely more just, uh, f- personal t- fulfillment. I had reached a point where I kind of hit a breaking point, like, um, of almost, I wouldn't say burnout. It didn't feel like burnout, but I think it probably was. I was burnt out from making the same videos over and over again. Like, there's only so many ways you can talk about getting a girl's number. There's only so many ways you can talk about going, get texting a girl. Right. And so for me, I felt like I'm making the same videos over and over again. They haven't really changed. The format's the same. And every day, um, it just becomes like something that everybody else is doing. Everybody can turn on a camera and just talk for a few minutes. Right. And so for me, I was getting a little bit tired of the format and just from a fulfillment standpoint, I didn't know if it was is it the dating advice? Do I want to keep being a dating coach or is it something else like creatively? And what I learned doing the boot camp last year, creating a whole movie around it, the documentary and the documentary was just as fulfilling for me to edit it and create it and drop it out and see people's reactions to it um, more than anything. And I realized it wasn't necessarily that I didn't want to be a dating coach. It was, I didn't feel like I was expressing myself creatively because I'm making the same videos over and over again. It's the same format over and over again. How many years can I play this hamster wheel? Maybe I get a bigger following. Maybe they buy my shit, but creatively, am I fulfilled doing this? And so, um, that's kind of where the idea of having a show where I can talk about literally whatever I want to talk about with whoever I want to talk about, um, became an inspiring idea for me to do, you know? So not, not the show. So go back to like what you're saying about the creative burnout. Cause like, dude, as a guy with, we have 500 videos now on the channel yeah. and stuff like that. It's crazy. Like I feel the exact same thing. Like I'm talking about the same thing over and over again. And like, there's only so many ways to do it. Like, um, what was I going to say? Oh yeah. Do you feel like there's a way to do that without burning out? Okay. So the entrepreneur, I feel like we're super in line with creatives, right? So anyone watching this, who's like an entrepreneur, you're creating something. You're like on there with a musician or an artist or anything like your business is your art. And when, especially content creators, it becomes an art form. And so naturally like any band or any creative person, you're going to get that burnout when it's not inspiring, but it's bad because it's a business that's making you money. Right? So it's like, at what point is it sacrificing yourself and your passion for it Mm. versus being 
a sporadic kind of shiny object entrepreneur. And that's something I struggle with a lot. So I'm just curious what your opinion is on that. Uh, you know, like just, um, take right there. If that makes sense. So making sense, if I heard you correctly, it's kind of like you're somewhat struggling with like, um, you're, you have, you almost have a similar like creative burnout Yeah. and you're wondering, is it, should you make a full pivot or what? Right. Okay. And I think the pivot is what gets talked about a lot. Like, oh, you should always be pivoting, pivoting, pivoting. But then when I work one-on-one with people, they're talking about fitness one day and then they're talking about business one day and then they're talking about getting a girl one day and then they're in law of attraction, la la. you know, like it just, it's like, it's changing. It's, it's neurotic. So like, how do you stay creative in a similar niche? Mm. So where it makes sense and it's a smart business move because people know you for that thing Got without it. sacrificing your love and your passion for the thing yeah you know honestly man this the last couple of months since the whole quarantine started has really been eye-opening for me um even just with my own insights to that exact question because i feel like i'm just kind of finding out my own uh take on it recently and it has to do with setting up the studio the podcast and everything because i was more i was really inspired like it pulled me to make the video when i knew i had a fancy studio coming in and I knew I was going to have this podcast coming up where I could branch out into any topics that I want, interview whoever I want, even if it's not dating specific. And it really made me creatively able to express more in my dating advice videos. And so even the ones I've put out on the dating advice channel, while I was just making this thing and setting up and getting cameras in the mail, even my videos over there are more creative. And I'm like, yo, this is actually a fire video. I like it because for me, I wanted it to feel like they were hanging out with me. They, I want them to be able to turn on the video and just want to listen to my take because it's just me, you know, and uh, rather than, oh, his tips didn't work next or whatever. Yeah, yeah. And so I, I definitely I want my advice to always be as good as it can possibly be always. But it just felt like the, it lacked the connection to the audience that I craved. Right. I really wanted that because otherwise I'm just a guy talking to a camera for the rest of my life. You know what right. I'm saying? And so for me, like even just the editing of the video, the music that I chose, it was like feng shui. I reorganized things. I put a little bit of more class into the way I edit it. And, and uh, but on the fulfillment front, I'm, I think it, my fulfillment from doing this with the studio expressed itself in the thing that actually brings in the money, the business that's currently working and currently taking off, right? That's, that's another business I will be doing for many years coming. Like, I don't want guys to take this the wrong way. Yeah. Uh, that's also the long-term play, but it's kind of like, this is the thing I, I show up to on the weekends I record. And then that's the thing I do, um, to coach and really give back directly, you know? Yeah. And that's a mature move too. It's like not just throwing everything away and going into like a new thing or a new niche or whatever. I think it's a mature entrepreneur to like pivot the creative form and re-inspire yourself with the thing you're doing rather than just chasing the next thing. Cause like, I don't know so many people. Um, yeah, they just, they're just neurotic with it. So yeah. It's smart. Yeah. And, and if I wanted to like, like I could sense a lot of people, if they're even like even remotely in the same boat, they might be thinking to themselves like, um, but you want to, you're going to start over from scratch on a whole second thing. And that I think is an important distinction here because it's not like, oh, I want to start a second channel to make money. My money motivation has nothing to do with this raw dating advice because I know it's going to be starting a channel from scratch and I'm willing to do that. If this channel gets a hundred views for the next two years, bro, get used to it because it's going to be here for another at least 20 more, right? This is, this is a long-term play. I'm not doing it for the views. I'm not doing it for the, the money. I'm doing it for me. 
and the dating advice still runs and that brings in the revenue and it gives me the ability to work with guys directly, things like that, you know? Yeah, for sure, man. That's sick. This, uh, Let's start roasting people. That would get a lot of views. <laughs> so tell me about this Andrew WK because I that's the drummer the the band is it a band or yeah. okay it's it's a solo artist but yeah. he always refers to it as a band. It's totally it's like we're in it together, but it's mostly his thing. He's okay. been doing for like twenty years. Because um I had never heard of him when I first met you and I was like I, I don't know who this guy is but they play in front of huge crowds and then I told Kate and I think I brought up your Instagram and she goes oh I used to listen to that guy when I was in depressed in high school <laughs> and I was like oh that's the band he plays for yeah. well and I didn't even judge it from that because honestly I'd seen the videos of you playing drums and I'm like yo if I had to go on stage and they had to be like who has the best air drumming impression I would do that and that's what this man does in real life. Well, see it. What do you got? Yeah. <laughs> Wait, where, where's the, uh, the yeah, button for the that? The button for that. He's flexing. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> wah, wah, wah. Yeah. Yeah, man, it's sick, dude. It's it's a childhood dream come true. It's like I, I grew up playing drums. Um, yeah, that's just the whole time. I grew up playing drums when I was like, I don't know, 11 or 12 just to get girls. Mm. And I tried to impress this one chick and I, I walk into middle school band. I got assigned to it by mistake. And I noticed that the drummers got to leave early and they can go to the restroom whenever they wanted. So when it came around, Hey, what do you play? What do you play? I'm like, nothing uh, drums. All right, I can do that. And then there was this girl who I was trying to impress. And so there was this guy named Aaron and he was dating her at the time or like, I don't know what you call it in middle school. And he was a really good drummer, had money for private lessons, had really nice drums, everything. So I got super jealous and man, that motivated, that motivates you. It's always a girl. Right. And so I'd go home and like, you know, play for like eight hours. And I remember like I challenged him to a drum off to get that girl. I'm like, Hey, we're going to have a drum off to some 41 like that. That's the song we're going to okay. play. And whoever gets it better, like, she's mine or yours like good middle school logic yeah and uh so we go in and it's like us and like five other people because word spread and stuff and she was there too and i go first and thought i just killed it it was like fat lip right i'm just like yeah. like i thought i killed it blasting it over and then he goes and fucking demolishes me and i look like the biggest <laughs> idiot ever dude yeah and uh didn't get the girl so did you have any like actual drumming skills that you've been practicing at this time yeah i was i was trying a lot but i mean the pain of that just motivated me so much to just go all in on drums right and so i would just go home every day like eight hours and all this stuff and you know without going into like a childhood story i went to college and i was still playing drums started posting these drum videos and on youtube and that was my first youtube video was me shirtless oiled up playing shirtless to uh misery business by paramore okay. i thought that was gonna be like the best thing i was like yeah i'm gonna be fitness and drums at the same time i'm gonna like drum out and uh yeah it, i've got a lot of hate comments i don't know why but um yeah so i did that and i started having all these drum covers built a little bit of a following but didn't really do anything with it and uh kind of quit long story short went to college got a degree came out was doing entrepreneur stuff and then out of nowhere dude like I got a tweet from a guy named Andrew WK and I was like, what the heck? This has to be a joke. Like blue trick, blue tick mark and everything. And um, I'm looking at it and it's like, Hey, um, saw your drum cover from eight years ago of our song. One of those cringy covers. <laughs> like my drummer just quit. Like, are you available? We love the energy. We want you to come and tour with us. And I'm like, this has to be a joke. And it wasn't a joke. It was them. 
And so I flew to so LA. So you were a fan previously. Super fan, dude. Yeah. Uh, I remember She Is Beautiful, Party Hard, some of the big songs. I was at like fifth grade summer camp and they were playing as we'd go into like the dining hall and stuff. And so like I always had that and stuff and met him a few times before then. So like super fan. Um, and, you know, that's back in like 2000 and whatnot. And so I flew to LA, auditioned, and then we went on tour like the following month or something. And it's just bananas, dude. Damn. It's like, it's insane. It's like, you know, not every show is 35,000 people playing to festivals and whatnot or in Germany or whatever. But like sometimes the smaller shows, like we played uh, Crescent Ballroom here, oh, you know, in Phoenix. It's a dope place. Yeah, like last year or something. Yeah. And that's like a small, like that's still fun. It's it's awesome. I don't deserve it. I pinch myself every time. Like I didn't have to put in the years and years of grinding to make that happen. But I realize it's like the best of both worlds because like one thing it made me realize is you can have both. You know, like everyone growing up, they always tell you when you're 18, 20, like pick something and get really good at it. Like that's your thing and yeah. go all in on that thing, whether it's basketball, whether it's business, whether it's a YouTube, like pick that thing, stop trying to do everything. And I was kind of like, all right, I'll, I'll do YouTube and like entrepreneurship. And I was stoked on it, but I had this part of me that was like dying inside when I'd look at my drum kit or I'd see my friends who were posting YouTube videos back then. And they're touring in like big bands all around the world. And I'm like, fuck man, like you quit. Like you quit on that dream, dude. Like that little 12 year old doing a drum off, trying to get a girl, like you, you, like you just gave up. And so like the craziest thing is when I saw my buddy playing a show to like 3000 people, I like recommitted. I'm like, all right, I quit. You know what? I'm going to do it because the scariest thing for me would be like being 85 years old, smoking a cigar in the rocking chair. Right looking back and being like, man, I wish I would have gone for that. Well, what is that experience like? Like how cool would it be to actually play music? Like, ah, I should have gone for that, man. Like to me, that, that gives me chills thinking about that stuff. Like I don't want any of those regrets, which I know is cliche, but like, I think everyone's on the same boat. Like we don't want to go out with what ifs. And so within 60 days of like seeing my friend play to 3000 people at a warp tour and stuff, I was like, fuck it. All right, I'm gonna go home. I'm gonna practice. I don't have a band. I don't have anything. Nothing was there. I quit everything. Didn't drum in like three years because I went to college and stuff. Um, within 60 days is when I got that tweet saying, hey, you want to come drum with us? So like call it the universe, call it law of attraction, call it whatever. I like I firmly believe in that stuff, dude, because like once you commit to something <laughs> and you go in and you start working towards it, even if you don't know how, if you have like the why and the what and it, it's just I don't know. I look back on that. And to me, that's like the coolest proof of going after your dreams as uh and making it work and and you can have both you know you can have yeah. like the dream of drumming and now i have the dream of like doing the youtube channel entrepreneur and like meeting cool people and hanging out and doing what you want and you have both and they they coincide and so i don't know i i think that's like the biggest thing i learned from that um and yeah i mean i'm lucky every single time we get to play damn that's fucking badass. Yeah. <clears throat> you make me want to become a professional basketball player again. <laughs> Thanks, man. At the age of 30. <laughs> you can do it, man. I, I read a thing like there's some marathon runner. I was some chick. Um, well, she's not a chick. She's like 80 years old. That's the point of it. She was old. And they denied her. I think it was the Iron Man in Hawaii when they do that whole thing. I said, no, you're too old. It's too dangerous for you. You can't register. And this woman who's 80, she's like, fuck that. And she registered where she got denied. So she ran it anyway and finished the race. And it was like this big story and stuff. So it's like, I don't think you're ever too old to do something. You know, I don't think mm -hmm. you're, it's ever too late. And I think that's where people 
Sorry for going on these motivational rants. You got to reel me back in. I just keep going, turn on your YouTube video. I was loving it. I was entranced. I don't think you're ever too late to do something, man. And that's like what I get depressed at is thinking about people depressed that they think they're too late or their boat sailed or like, oh, I should have done that sooner. I should have like that regret again, dying with it when you're 85 years old in your rocking chair, right? Mm. Like 85 year olds can run marathons. Like it's just, I don't know what it is, man. It just... To me, that's terrifying. And so, like, seeing people who do that and defy the odds and go for it, that's awesome. And even if you don't get the freaking result, like, even if you didn't run the marathon, at least, like, you're moving towards it. And the real thing we all want is not the end result. It's progress. It's not the journey, right? It's not the, oh, the destination. It's the journey, not the destination. No, like, fuck that. It's, like, the journey sometimes isn't fun. But the thing that's fun, man, is progress. And that's the thing that gets us alive and makes us come alive every single day. And like you get up and like, if you're not progressing, what are you doing? Like sitting at home playing Fortnite, eating Cheetos, like drinking beer, like that's fun in the moment, but terrible in the long term, right? And it's like, you're not progressing and it's a fake form of progress because you're leveling up in some video game and stuff, right? And so it kind of feels like it, but the grand scheme of things, it's like, that's why it's soul sucking. Anyway, I threw like 15 things out there, dude. Yeah. Brains a mile a minute. That reminds me of this song. Uh, there's a song. By the way, have you ever do you ever listen to Big Sean like rap? I've listened to a few songs. Okay. Yeah. His his album I decided I started listening to it at a time in my life where I was like struggling financially. I was fresh out of dental school. I was trying to make the dating advice thing work and at this point it wasn't working yet and I was like always on the verge of like not being able to pay my rent and stuff. And uh I started listening to his album that had just come out at the time it was like 2016. And uh, it's called I Decided. And he had this uh, a song called Bigger Than Me. And the whole message is like, this is all, it's, it's bigger than me. And like, it's kind of like about his mission, his path, his like, his purpose in life. And uh, he had a line. It was like, I see people in the same place 10 years later and that shit's pathetic. Uh, and then he's like talking about, I can't be staring at the same ceiling fan when I feel like I have no ce- no ceilings, man. And I was like, yo. That's insane. Like I totally relate to that. And that's what your story reminded me of is like, you just, you want the progress. Like if you are staring at the same ceiling fan for the next 10 years, you haven't grown at all. Right. And that I, it even relates back to why I fucking started this podcast. I, I have people who will watch my binge, watch my videos or like go through a training that I put out when I was 26, 27 years old. I'm 30 years old now. It's three years later. And they'll talk to me as if I'm that version of me. But I'm like, yo, my priorities, like this conversation just is not resonating with me at all. Cause that was me four years ago. Like, how, do you, how, do you think you've personally grown from your, the first year of college to your first yeah. year of high school? Yeah. So like, yeah, man, if you're, if you're not progressing, you're, you need to get out of your current environment. Right. I think that's why the the like fear of a cubicle, right? And we're in the entrepreneur digital marketing yeah. space, so we know like fuck a nine to five, right? Like I, I don't really buy that. Like people aren't afraid of nine to five work. People aren't afraid of working hard. They're afraid of doing something that keeps them stuck. And that's why cubicles and like office space, like give me my TPS for sports and red stapler or whatever. Like that's why that is the most terrifying thing ever because it's like that is like the ceiling fan looking up 10 years, man, you know, I have no ceiling, whatever, like a cubicle to me kind of epitomizes all of that. And then also like, yeah, I don't know, man. I I think like a lot of us grew up in our, like we're in our twenties or thirties. Now our parents probably had the old school cubicle jobs. And uh, I mean, my, some of my parents, right? Like 
all, all 50 of them. Right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, you know, I had to grow up like watching them be unfulfilled with what they did. Mm-hmm. And it was like seeing them come home and just like, oh man, like another day, just like routine and like seeing what that does to a soul when you are forced to do that, not just one year or two years, you can suck it up. But when you're 10, 20, 35 years of that, like gruelingness where you feel like there's no progress. This is it. We're making the most of it and just, you know, paying the bills like that to me was the biggest fear ever. And it's like seeing that firsthand. So, um, I think that's what people are really afraid of. And that's kind of like, so you would see your parents coming home from work and it was like very visible that they were not fulfilled with what they were doing. Yeah. I mean, there's, there's other things too. And like, like my parents are great. Like I have good relationships with them now and stuff. Um, but like anyone's childhood, you have some, Mm. you know, emotional uh, needs that aren't met by them and no one's perfect. I, I understand that they're doing the best with what they could at the time. And now it's like, I'm not going to let any of that stuff, whatever happened, hold me back from having a great relationship now with, yeah. with both of them. And yeah. so it's like, yeah, it's just a choice you make moving forward and stuff. Mm. It's interesting. Cause it, when you said that, it made me think back to like my childhood and like, if I saw my parents doing the same stuff and honestly, I never remembered them, um, being unsatisfied with what they did, uh, which I think probably was even is probably just as dangerous, you know, because that means they're comfortable, which means if that's the the level of standard I see in life, then I'll just know that when I reach that, I should be comfortable with where, where I'm at. And you'll never want to go past that. And like, I honestly have, because I've been in a personal development, I obviously have a different mindset than my parents did. But my mom to this day is all about getting that nine to five job, it's security. And she's had the same job for like 30 years, my whole entire life. Um, and my dad passed away, but you know, he had the same job essentially for his whole life too. Um, and he was actually making a a lot more money than my mom was. So like we were not struggling by any means. And so I could definitely see why they were comfortable, you know? Yeah. Well, Hey, maybe we're fucked up in the head. Entrepreneurs are messed up, man. So like, like, you know, maybe (laughs) it's like the small 10% of people who like, uh, like they don't want any comfort. They would take freedom over that. Cause I feel like it's juxtaposed, right? Like you can't have both. It's like, you can have, uh, comfort or you can have freedom, Mm. right? It's like, we're totally free. You and I, we can do whatever we want. We could blow yeah. all our money. We could literally work. I could for, light up a J right now. Nobody would give right a shit. Now, no boss, man. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We could, we're as free as could be. We could choose to not work for a month mm. and it wouldn't, you know, whatever. But like eventually our comfort would run out. Right. And yeah. it's like the freedom, almost total freedom. Speaking of entrepreneurs here, that can be some of the most anxiety ridden stuff you can have. Like no constraints at all, no schedule, no nothing, like no discipline, whatever, just ultimate freedom. Like, I don't think that's what we really want deep down inside. Mm. Cause like, I don't know, you, you need, you need like discipline and structure to make freedom mean something. Right. Mm. And like, otherwise it just gets boring. Like it goes back to like sitting on a couch playing video games like that. You could be totally free. Yeah. But you'd be totally bored after a while. Yeah. You know? But there's some people who are so satisfied with that. That's scary. I, I, I just like, look, I, I mean, I play Fortnite from time to time. Yeah. Right. And listen to podcasts. That's what I do. I actually disabled. I, I said I was deaf on Fortnite. So I, they visualize sound effects for me. So it doesn't affect it. Yeah. And then I can listen to podcasts without, you know, <laughs> getting the game messed up. But anyway, but like, I don't do that all day, every day. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. I have a buddy, my best friend growing up. I'll definitely have him on the podcast if I can convince him to travel out here to be on it. But, um, 
I like on the dating advice side, I talk about him as like the best friend I had who always got all the girls and he was like the star athlete and everything. Um, and to this day, we're still best friends, but it was because we grew up next to each other in the same home and actually his family moved into my childhood home. So it's weird. They still live there. Anyways, he, he's always been the guy who like, everybody was like, yo, just wait until he gets to college. It's a bigger game. You know, he's going to yeah. get eaten up. He's not going to be that cool in college. Yeah. yeah. Motherfucker was running that campus. <laughs> <laughs> you know, he's that guy. He's, he's, he's next level. And so he actually got kicked off. He was playing D one football, got kicked off the team. Um, because he was that guy and all the parties were at his place and the noise complaint was on the police report, which a coach looked at and he got three in a row. Oh, dang. They're like, Hey, it's your apartment. You're off the team. Too much fun. Yeah. Too much fun. And so anyways, he, he stuck it to the people back at the hometown. Cause he moves back into hometown becomes, you know, what you would think of as the townie, but then he starts a business Yeah. and now he makes a couple hundred grand a year, loves his life and he barely he, he gets to set his own schedule and uh but he spends all day every day like smoking weed yeah. chewing tobacco doing shrooms if it's a good day and playing Fortnite yeah and the man is so happy with his life I am secretly jealous of those people dude yeah. like I, I don't know if it's a genetic thing or what like entrepreneurs are wired differently and I'm not speaking for every single entrepreneur like I'm the greatest one ever but like I've met a lot of them. I hang out with a lot of them. We're all wired the same way. Like a lot of us have trouble in relationships. A lot of us have trouble finding happiness. And a lot of us have trouble. Like we want progress, but we love it too much to where we're not content with anything. Mm. You know what I mean? Like if you're all, cause everything is like a paradox and a double-edged sword, right? Everything has to be the middle path. But like for us, like, progress, progress, progress. If your business isn't growing, it's like, oh, it's so stressful yeah. and stuff. But you extrapolate that out to every area of life. And then the shadow side of that is you're never satisfied with anything, mm. you know? And so like maybe my hatred towards the cubicle or, you know, parents working nine to fives yeah. or whatever, maybe that's jealousy manifested as like envy or hatred or, yeah. or judgment, right? Would you that's say it's word. like a chip on the shoulder type of thing? I don't know, man. It's just like, I, I don't know how to be satisfied if I'm not growing. And that's something I've been working on for the yeah. last two years. When do you think that started for you? Um, with drums. Yeah, definitely. Mm. Going back to that, like always leveling up, always finding a competition in that, always seeing other people comparing and trying to be better, getting competitive. And then as soon as I started posting videos, it was like, okay, this one got one thing. Okay, now I got to get another. Now I got to level up that. Oh, if it's not as good as that, many views, many subscribers, like my life sucks. So mm. I think there's a bigger conversation too, or a side one about, you know, maybe not that interesting to people, but like not comparing yourself and making yourself worth about numbers. Cause that's another trap that entrepreneurs fall into is like, um, you know, it's like, Oh, if I made less this month than I did last month, my business is crashing. So I'm a failure. And then when your business mm. goes up, you're on like a high and you're nice to everyone around yeah. you and all drinks on me. Yo, that's babe, so real. Babe, you want to go out? Like, <laughs> yeah, I love so you, true. babe. Like, you know, you mean a lot to me. Yeah. And then, you know, if you're on a down month, it's like, don't fucking talk to me. <laughs> yeah. Like I see that in myself. I don't yeah. like that in myself. I don't know if you see that, you know, I do. I see that in myself too. And you're right. I don't like it about me either, but I notice it. Yeah. If I look at my bank account, I'm like, Oh, we've been doing good for the last two days. Yep. I'm in a good mood that day. Yes. You know, I, I don't, but I don't know if I like that or not. <laughs> so what's the number then? Like, this is the thing. Cause I, I know we've had conversations off uh, camera and stuff and we're, you know, similar level and stuff. What do you think is the number? Right? Like, 
okay, if you had a number in your head of either annual income or money in the bank, mm. have you thought about that? I know you probably have. Like, what's your number per year that if you were making that, you'd be like, you know what? Everything's okay. Like, I can finally relax, mm. which is another trap. But honestly, I, I've thought about it and I've never been able to come to a number. Um, here's why. Because if I'm thinking about where I'm at now and I'm looking forward and I'm like, yo, if I was making 10 mil a year, 20 mil a year, that'd sound pretty dope. All right. So then I thought, oh, shit. And this is about I had this realization about a year and a half ago because the, the the Mega Millions lottery. Oh, this is a fucking story, bro. The Mega Millions lottery. Uh, <laughs> the Mega Millions lottery got up to one billion dollars. OK, I go to bed one night. And you know how like you always have like the craziest dreams and it's always the last dream you have like right when you're coming out of sleep and you vi you remember it vividly. So that this morning and here's the thing, I don't pay attention to the lottery ever. So one morning I have a dream coming out of sleep, waking up the next day and it's a dream that I was with my friends hanging out doing what you normally do in dreams and then I walk into this big room like a fucking stadium, like a convention center or something. And it's like this huge mini golf. It looks like a huge like motocross ramp where it goes down, but it's mini golf, bro. And they're like, who wants to do the mini golf for $1 billion? And I said, oh, I want to try. And I, I thought it was like an amusement park. I didn't know it was for a lot of money. And so I go and I'm on top of this fucking ramp and it's just like this fucking golf. And I'm, it's like mini golf. You're supposed to like putt it. Yeah. And I remember in my dream, I fucking just four, just like happy Gilmore and happy Gilmore did. And it, and I made it hole in one and I won a billion dollars and the fucking lights go off or whatever. And I, I was trying to process cause in my dream I didn't know, but everybody else knew cause I just wasn't paying attention cause I'm a selective listener. And uh, then they're like, Oh, you just won. Holy shit. You won the jackpot. You won a billion dollars. And in that moment in my dream, everything feels real cause it's a dream. Yeah. So I went through the mental process of like, Oh shit. I made money. I made money. I'm a rich. Wait, I'm rich. What does that mean? And it's like you go through all the different stages of it that you would in real life, but in your fucking dream. And I started had to having the realization like, oh shit, does this make me like a celebrity now? Does that mean I can hit a Bieber? Like, and I was imagining myself on Oprah, like on Ellen or Oprah talking about like, yeah, I want a billion dollars. It changed my life. Like, and I was processing it. And then I experienced jump forward in my dream. I experienced having a huge ass mansion and having like literally like celebrities in my kitchen and shit. I forget which cel celebrities were in my dream. But anyways, I looked at the fucking lottery ticket. Like it turned into mini golf. Oh, by the way, here's a ticket that looks like a lottery ticket. And when I'm standing in my $5 million home and I have Bieber in my fucking kitchen and my agent's telling me I'm about to be on Ellen DeGeneres, I look at the lottery ticket and I see one thing. And they say you can't read things in dreams. I've heard that. Like in your dreams, you never really are able to read things. I saw this thing clear as motherfucking day. It said Mega Millions Lotto on the top of the ticket in my dream. I wake up the next day and I think to myself, how crazy would it be if the Mega Millions is worth $1 billion right now? So I Google Mega Millions lottery. Sure enough, it's at a billion dollars and it's like a big deal. And I'm like, I don't pay attention to this. How the fuck would that happen? What's the coincidence there? Okay. So I said, I have to go and buy a lotto ticket for the Mega Millions right now, right this day. I woke up. The first thing I did that day was I bought that fucking ticket. 
And I told myself, because I've done this in the past, anytime I have like a superstition, if I tell someone the superstition, it never comes true. So you can't tell, you can't say it. You're going to jinx it, right? So that's how you became a billionaire, dude. I was going to ask you. So I'm secretly a billionaire. <laughs> yeah. So anyways, I buy the Mega Millions Lotto. Uh, long story short, I don't win. But how do we even bring up the, the fucking... Keep going. I want to hear the... Yeah, yeah. But, oh yeah. So processing like what I would do... I went through the mental thought process because when I woke up that next day, I was fully convinced in my head that I was going to win it. I like I was like, this is no accident. I'm going to win. I was already telling Kate, hey, let's make plans. Like if we if I win this, it'll happen on Tuesday. And I'm thinking we got to move to this house in Las Vegas. I want to get these security guards right here. So that way nobody because when you take in the ticket, you're famous because if you I don't know if you looked into it because no. I certainly did that day. Oh, yeah. um, if you win. Um, depending on what state you're in, they, they announce your name. So it's only a couple of states who make it anonymous and you have to turn in the ticket to one physical location. So it's like, they could be guarding that door. So you got to wait, like they give you a year and a half to turn in the ticket because you don't want to go like the day they fucking announced there's been a winner, you know? And so I was, I was planning for this shit in my head. I had already processed it. And then I did the math and I went onto this lotto calculator online and it said, um, 40% tax. Yeah. You could calculate what you actually take home after tax. And there's two options. You can get the full lump sum and pay the taxes now, or you can get the the 30 year annuity plan where they pay it to you in, in increment amounts every month for the next 30 years. And I worked it out after tax. If I won that billion, I would have been getting 10 million a month <laughs> or 10 million a year, 10 million a year, oh. uh, not a, not a month that 10 million a month is ridiculous. 10 million a year. Yeah. You can't live on 10 million a year, but, but it's a, then it's a good start. It goes up cause it's a sliding scale. So by year 10, year 20, year 30, uh, by year 30, I'm making about 30 million a year. So it, it slides up. And so, um, I was like, yo, Looking forward, I was like, that's probably my standard. But looking, Wait, hold on. Do you ever see that movie Blank Check? That Disney movie, yeah, right? Yeah. That's, that's just what I thought of yeah. you. Like the Blank Check guy, right? And it's like he has the limo and the ice cream and stuff. Honestly, in my dream, it kind of felt like that. <laughs> yeah. 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 Yeah, the old Disney movie. Dude, yeah. the weirdest part of that movie, and sorry to interrupt your story, but like is when he like makes out with like some, like uh, she's got to be like 30 and he's like this 12-year-old kid, right? Or 14-year-old kid or something like uh-huh. that. I'm like, that's just like Disney. Come on. Yeah. Anyway. Um, sorry to, yeah. Dude, yeah. Punchline. Blank check. That was a, that was like a childhood favorite. I love that movie, bro. Macintosh. And it was only a million dollars. And you're like, And he fell in love with the hot, like, older woman. Yeah, that's the and chick. And she, like, she kissed, kissed him? him. That's just what, what I the said. Fuck? Was, she's like 30 and he's like 14. Yeah, I'm sorry. I smoked a little bit before this, so I spaced <laughs> out when you said that. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, dude, blank check, man. But you're right. Like, are we we done with your story? Uh, yeah. Continue. Oh no, yeah. I was just gonna be like, <laughs> I I feel like what you're saying is like, um, there's only so much, and like, you know, you don't really have a number because it keeps moving. Is that what? Well, what I was, I guess, what the eventual because it was based on the question you originally asked, like, what would be your number? Yeah, what's your number? Well, the first answer would have been like 10, 20, 30 mil. That would have been great. But when I already processed that I was going to be making that and not having to lift a thumb to do it. I was already scheming for what I would do the money to make more money. Yeah. So I realized there, I don't know what my number is because if it does exist, it's a lot higher than 30 million a year. Yeah. You got to find it and experience it. Yeah. That's a, uh, who's the quote? It said, they say money can't buy happiness, but I'd rather know for sure. 
It was some comedian. I forget who the comedian is. Chappelle? Maybe. But well, it's like, that's kind yeah. of the truth. It's like, definitely wasn't Chappelle, I don't think. I've thought about this, man. And without coming off like some old guy on a rocker, just like thinking about his <laughs> life and stuff, right? This is like my channel. Like, I think about this shit a lot and I journal a yeah. lot and I'm just like in my own head. So it's good to have someone to talk to. But like, I don't know, man. Like, uh, fuck, I just lost it again. Yeah. God damn it. It's like I smoked before this, too. <laughs> well, I got a question for you. Do you yeah. feel like um, because you have traveled the world playing for this world famous band, and built your own business, had your own YouTube channel. Do you feel like you as a 26-year-old man? 27? No, 28. 28? 28. Do you feel like See as a 20... gray? I got a little gray. <laughs> as a 28-year-old, you you feel like mentally you're a lot older than that. Like you've had enough more reference experience in your 28 years than probably some a lot of people do get in their first 30, 40, 50, 60 years. You know, Patrick, they say on the road... <laughs> You live more in one week than most people live in one year. Is that a real saying? Yeah, it's a real saying, but I don't know if it's true. Did Andrew WK coin that? No, no. <laughs> some of the guys in the band did. Okay. They, they've been even crazier and stuff like that. I don't Damn. know. Experience, like, this is this is my thing. Like, every single time I was doing something, it was always for experiences. Mm. And I knew, like, I don't know how I knew this, but, like, I kind of saw the trajectory of a typical life. And this isn't hard to see. It's like most people, okay, you grow up, you go through the, school bullshit till you're 18 years old. Then you have that fork in the road college or alternative. I'm like, okay, I'll go to college. Cause worst case scenario, it doesn't work out and I have a degree and I can do the safety net thing. Right. And I'm like, I, I don't want to get in a conversation about college scam education system. That's been beaten to death. I did college, but I was like, okay, in between, I'm like, I could work a job or I could go work on a farm. And so I took the experience of working on a farm instead of the money, you know, and it brought me in whole, but I knew experience of living on a farm in some car tent woofing on an organic farm or whatever was going to be cooler. And then, you know, you get out and I'm like, okay, I could go get a job or I could take like a year or two and travel the world. So I went and I saved up working shitty jobs. I don't have rich parents or anything or any trust fund or anything like that. Like I literally worked jobs, lived in my mom's basement so I could save enough, went all around the world traveling, Asia, all this stuff because experience over money, right? And then eventually like I, I got the band gig and I'm like, oh, I could not do the band gig for a moment. And I'm like, I could grow my business. I can make more money. If I'm on the road, I can't really do this. So like, ah, but I took experience over money. And like now, you know, just recently we moved to Scottsdale over Seattle and um, I'm like, okay, experience over security or whatever. So I guess the whole point of that is like, I feel like the more you go with experiences, like that's the real winning right there. And I know it's cheesy to be like money doesn't buy you happiness, but I think the whole reason we want money in the first place is to get experiences. And so it's kind of backwards. It's like we think we need money to have experiences, but sometimes the experience that you want comes without having money and sacrificing money to get that experience. Does that make sense? And I think there's really like two or three currencies in life, right? There's time, energy, and money. And so when you're young, not a lot of money, but you got a lot of time, a lot of energy, right? Mm. And you're an adult, not a lot of time because you're probably working, but you got energy and you got money. Then when you're old, you know, you don't have any energy, but you got time and money. So it's like, when the hell are you going to actually travel the world or go after your dreams or be that basketball star or that rock star or whatever, if not when you're like a young adult, you know? And again, <laughs> that's contradicting what I said. It's never too late. It's never too late. Yeah. It is never too late. But I guess ideal time before you have a family and stuff, yeah. man, like go well, out there and there's live. There's an inherent urgency. 
you know, because you will one, die it. one day. Yeah. And, and you know that. Like, I wonder, like, if you had the ability to take a pill and it was an immortality pill, you would never age, you would never get injured, and you would stay just like the exact same you are today, even if you never worked out again. Would you take that pill? And I've thought about this before, before, you, before I get your answer. And I just kind of realized, like, for me at least, I felt like there would be no motivation to do anything. Because you're like, I'll do it next next century, you know? The urgency is good, man. That's a really good way to put it. I've never thought about it like that. But, like, everyone's talking about, like, living forever, right? And, like, the AI singularity coming in. Yeah. And we're going to merge with I mean, them. forever is a long time. <laughs> I don't know, man. I think there's something spiritual to death. You know, and like yeah. I've, I really honor it's like that. an evolution to a next level. Yeah, and, in and it's it's kind of arrogant to think that we know exactly what happens after we die, so we never want to die, so we can live forever. Yeah. What if death is like something we can never know what happens after we die? Right. Yeah. What if it's more badass and like even yeah. better? So you're betting all your chips on this thing. What if this was like? It's like your death is a birth into another life. What if? You know, like what if it's, it's cooler or different It's like or eating while you're on the toilet. Yeah. It's like, okay. Even if there's a, <laughs> yeah, just like that. If there's a 1% chance that it's better, but there's a 99% chance it's not, it's like, I don't know. Would you take that odds? Would you go for it to see what if like, I don't know if that's making sense, man, but I, I think about it a lot. I feel like there is, I feel like it's going to be cool. It's going to be different than we expect. Yeah. When you die. What's your views on the afterlife? White man in a robe. <laughs> we get judged. Yeah. Well, I'm rewatching Lost right now, and they're in purgatory. Yeah. Spoiler, you know? Yeah. Well, I when heard that saying, spoiler. When you were saying lottery numbers, yeah. I was just thinking 4, 8, 15, 16, oh 23, 42. <laughs> I actually couldn't. Like, I was obsessed with the show. I binge-watched it all on Netflix yeah. in, like, one go. And I I thought about trying to memorize the numbers, but I was just like, yeah, that's too too much effort. You can't <laughs> not. Are you serious? You didn't memorize them by the end of the show? Nah. <laughs> Four, eight, 15, 16, 23, 42. Maybe I just have a worse short-term memory. I don't oh. know. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know, man. But yeah, I, I, I feel like, so that purgatory. In between, I just felt like there were so many unanswered questions in Lost, bro. I mean, dude. Pff, I could, Did I see a dinosaur in season one? No, they never yeah, explained that shit. Bear, yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, I could go on a whole, we could have a podcast on that <laughs> <laughs> for like three people out there who still care. Yeah. Who like watch some network television show. Yeah. yeah we like can bring it back. <laughs> 2005. There's like five people out there like, yeah, do that podcast. Yeah. I mean, I just felt like the fucking end. I didn't get it. I didn't get it at all. Even I didn't even get the purgatory reference. When people, when you have to yeah. explain the fucking intention that much, yeah, you didn't do it right. Yeah, and like the time travels where they really fucked themselves. It's like you can't write a show about parallel universes and time travel and like string theory when you're on a fucking island that crashed a plane and you had polar bear. It's just like guys, yeah. tone it like. Hey, we're doing good. Writer's room. We got a lot of ideas. Okay, everyone, everyone's been heard. We don't have to do them all. Like yeah. someone's gonna get their feelings hurt when their idea gets cut. But it's like they like, okay, everyone's idea gets in the show. <laughs> Writer's room, you guys are all good. Yes, yeah. we're all important. Trophies for everyone. And they just did them all. Mm. They're just like, yeah, let's do it all. So, I like to tell myself that the writers of that show thought they were creative geniuses and they were like, We are going to revolutionize the TV <laughs> industry. They're like Get this. We're going to have an open loop 
throughout yeah, the fucking loop, show throughout the seasons and yeah. we're going to embed open loops within open loops yeah. it'll be like inceptions for open loops yeah. and people will just be so engaged and it was almost it became like a meme at the end of it you it know it really was man yeah i looked at actually um cuz i'm watching it we're on my girlfriend and i are rewatching it great thing to do in quarantine right and two things the first is i didn't realize how different the show is when there's not dramatic commercial breaks mm. that take up 15 out of an hour yeah. and so it just keeps going and it's not as dramatic it loses some impact yep. and also when you don't have to wait a week in between <clears throat> episodes it's kind of like all right what happens <laughs> but the second thing i looked up because i had that question I'm like who the fuck was writing this show like how did they think this strung together perfectly and like was there no plan and the answer you know what the answer is there was <laughs> no plan they didn't do it. They wrote on the go because it was the most inspirational for them. So right? I was kind of right. You were <laughs> right. Bit. So every season, like almost episode by episode, they would write it as they went. And they'd be like, okay, now we have to tie this into this and this into this. And so there was no like big storyboard. Yeah. You know, like you show me your documentary stuff or you're telling me about it. And like you storyboard it all. And yeah. It flows. Like they didn't do that. It was just like, this goes here. This piece goes in here. Like. I, I spent so much time storyboarding the documentary. Yeah. So much fucking time. Yeah. They, they just took all that film school stuff and just throw yeah. it away yeah dude that's crazy around the same time this this is all happening another show popped off and it had one season and got canceled afterwards but i remember i was in college binge watching it while it was kind of live and i caught it right when the last two episodes of the seasons were coming in so i, I could binge watch the whole thing b uh, I don't remember oh, the name of it. It wasn't me. I was picking up some telecommunication nah. there. It was the dopest fucking concept that I had never seen before. I for, I think it's, I, I forget the name of the show, but when I describe it, someone out there, someone out there is going to remember it. It's about, for whatever reason, everybody in the entire world passes out, blacks out at the exact same moment. And it lasted for like two minutes and 57 seconds, like exact. And then everybody came back to consciousness at the exact same time. And they all wake up and it's just the world's chaotic. Planes are crashing. Boats are fucking crashing. Everything's just car crashes left and right. And, uh, oh, people dying on the operating table, things like this. And the crazy thing is as everybody was trying to process what had just happening happened, everybody realized that everybody who passed out had a vision of a future moment and they thought it was just a dream, but it was actually a future moment that was coming. And then they realized everybody who had a vision of the future moment had a vision of the exact same moment in time in the future. And then they started the website to like process, Hey, what, what was your experience? What was your experience? And then there was this whole subset of everybody who didn't experience anything. They're like, what are you talking? I didn't see anything. Oh. They end up dying before that fucking future moment. Oh, That's why rapture. And uh, I, I don't, it wasn't the rapture. It ended up, it ended up being about like the timeline of like, you know how like the particle colliders cause like a big hole, black yeah, hole. Yeah. It was kind of like one of those man-made things where something, something quantum fucked with the time Whoa. real quick. And then it ends at season one. And I was like, they have to continue the show. I have to see it. And it's so dope. I yeah. swear. I was so obsessed with this show. And then they canceled it. They're like, nope, not getting a second season. Bastards. It's like if it was bring too, that show back. It's too complex for the early two thousand, early two thousands, twenty tens ish. When was that show? Uh, it was like probably 2010, 2011. 
Yeah, that was a rough time for I think everything. Like right yeah. around, like <laughs> dude, bro, yeah. like music, just style, movie, like fashion. Everything was like rough around like 2005. When to fucking like, the tightest uh, Hollister shirt you could find, yeah, dude, was the style Abercrombie. with the baggiest jeans below. Yeah, yeah, man. Yeah. Oh god, that was a rough time, dude. Yeah. What did you look like then? Um. So I was wearing at that point I had lost a bunch of weight. Um so I had I was Extra really tight Hollister shirt to show it yeah, off. Yeah, I was trying to yeah. get Hollister, but then looking back, I just looked super skinny as fuck in this like tiny ass shirt with these bell bottom jeans, basically. <laughs> the boot cut from American Eagle. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it was a rough time, man, for everyone. I was I, wearing pink shirts. People, pink was in back then. Yeah. Like you pink. were a tough guy. Yep. You wore a pink shirt. I remember you could go to like Finish Line or one of those uh, Foot Locker stores and they had the tall tees and yeah. you'd, you'd double them up. Yeah. I never did that. My brother did. <laughs> but he like the snapback, yep. or the fitted hat and yeah. then like two tees. Wore some baller bands. You remember those? Yeah, the baller bands. Yeah. And then, then even better, the silly bands. You remember those? They were like random ass shapes. And oh, you put the yeah. silly band on, and it looks like this fucking weird-ass rubber band on well, your wrist. Dude, I remember when Livestrong bands were, like, Yo, the everybody. coolest thing ever. <laughs> yeah. Remember they went so viral? Because that was the first time, like, a Livestrong yellow band, right? Like, someone was wearing a band, so you'd see it everywhere. It was like a badge of honor. You it was, saw someone yeah. wearing it, and you wanted to get one. You want No one had ever done one of those rubber bands around the wrists. And yeah. those were so, like, crazy that they were getting resold. They were, I think they were only, like, a dollar, two dollars in the store. If Every, you could find them. Yeah, everyone sold out. And so they were getting resold on eBay. My dad's friend who was like, you know, super into that stuff. He's like, oh, I got, or uh, I, I saw this one on eBay for $100. I'm like, <laughs> none of that money's going to testicular cancer. Yeah. You know, <laughs> like, it's just funny, man. Yeah. And I remember his whole stuff. fucking fall, his rise and fall, like the Roman Empire, bro. Whatever, man. I don't know. I don't really like steroids and like performance enhancing stuff. Like, I don't know. It, it, I don't really know cycling or his world at all, but from what I've gathered from it, it's pretty much like 99% of people do it. I think mm -hmm. it's more common people do it than don't, right? So yeah. it's kind of like, I'm not saying that's good and that's like awesome or whatever, but the guy has one fucking ball and he can still crush <laughs> it. I don't know how many times. Yeah. Like, come on. Is it really the blood doping that's like yeah. making him win or is it just like he's badass at what he does? I mean... Who the fuck knows? <laughs> I saw he's a badass. Dude. I saw his episode on Joe Rogan. It was from a couple of years ago, but obviously after all this happened, and he just seemed like this is a man whose reputation was com is complete shit now. Like he seemed oh. like a man who was just trying to convince everybody he was a good guy. Like oh, at the sucks. tone of his voice, oh, that sucks. you know. And I was I, I was like, like a PR specialist. Like okay, when you say that word, just. DK as you go down. Yeah. Yeah. Some like that. No, I don't think I wish he had a PR specialist. Cause he was like, he was like, well, well this happened. You know, like his tone oh. was like trying to qualify the fuck out of himself. Oh yeah. You know, that's at least the vibe I got. Um, but it makes sense because you know, like Jared from subway, that man is in jail for the rest of his that life. That's a piece of shit. Right. Yeah. But like, it's like the rise and fall. He had a rise and fall just as epic as probably a Bill Cosby or a Jared from subway, but not as illegal as what they yeah, were doing. Yeah, you know? but I mean, there's one thing with like child stuff and like, you know, all that and drugs. But as far as like cancel, like he was canceled to the same degree. But he's I like, like using his own body and like blood doping. I, I know it's unethical. Obviously, it's breaking the rules. I'm not condoning that. Mm. But like, I don't know. There's something like I don't think he belongs in the case of like cone of shame yeah. for the rest of your he's life. He's not you know? OJ. Yeah, he's, <laughs> but he's, he's not Bill Cosby either. He's still a badass, man. Like yeah. that's the thing. Like 
again, I'm not a cyclist. I don't really know the sport, but yeah. I, yeah. I just think people are so quick to like cancel, you know, cancel culture. Mm. Right. And like you say one bad thing and they rip it all from you. It doesn't matter. Yeah. But you know, like uh, it holds so many people back. I've realized coaching people one-on-one, one of the biggest objections, cause I teach people how to start YouTube channels and make content and all that biggest objection I get, even from like entrepreneurs, seven, eight figures, whatever. Clark, I'm scared of posting a video. that's going to tank my brand. That's going to make me look bad. Mm. I'm going to look stupid in it. What, what do I, Oh, I can never take that. Vi- it lives on forever. What if someone downloads it and like saves it to an archive? I'm just like, bro, get the fuck over yourself. No one's saving your videos before you, you know, and all that stuff and like archiving it and stuff until you have like hundreds of thousands and maybe millions of subscribers or whatever. But like going back to that fear of like getting canceled, because you see what happens to like celebrities who have a bad tweet yeah. or have a bad movie or, or bad interview or yeah. bad moment. And then it's like public opinion changes. <clears throat> I feel like we all kind of know that we're all mini celebrities for lack of a better term. Right. Um, yeah. And like what we do, we have a mini ecosystem yeah. of people. Who and follow as soon us. as you gain any clout, yeah. they're just looking for that fucking thing that takes you down. And so it's weird. It's like, you have to balance it too. Of like, as you start to grow, keeping your balls and authenticity to say what you want to say and not yeah. give a fuck, which is something I still struggle with, just fully transparent and all that. And I think it's easier in these conversations, yeah. probably why we like doing this and stuff. It's like, oh, okay, if there's there's actual feedback from someone and all that stuff instead of just talking to a camera. But like, what I'm trying to say is like, people are way too quick to judge people for like one bad thing and it like, I don't feel like it happens as much as people think when you're, when you're smaller, it holds people back unnecessarily is what I'm trying to say. Yeah, totally. Like I, I totally struggle with that for a long time until even recently. I feel like last year was probably the first time I truly felt like unrestricted by, I don't give a fuck what people think of me. I don't give a fuck what people think of what I say. I just going to do it. And, but before, like I was even telling Chris that, so that's interesting. You brought it up. I was like, if I watched my videos from even just two years ago, uh, I got one right here. You got one. I'm um, going in again. This is gonna. It's gonna Chris, get better. Oh, th- these are twist I offs. I got it. I got it. Oh. 96 cal, two carbs. Yes, sir. Boom. Cheers. Boom. Sorry to interrupt. No worries. Before this, you were talking to Chris about not giving a fuck. I was about to say if I, if I was telling Chris this the other day, even when I watch my videos from like two years ago, just two years ago. I kind of cringe because I know that that version of me cared way too much about saying the right thing on camera. Um, Not necessarily saying the right politically correct thing, but saying the idea I had in my head the right way. I would obsess about how to deliver it on camera and what, how I wanted to word it. And then it, and then I would micromanage every word that was coming out while I was fucking recording. And so I was just more in my head at that point in my life, Um, which is ironic because a lot of my advice that I give on my dating advice channel is teaching you how to be out of your head when you're talking to women. Well, that happens not to, okay, keep going before I go on a rant. Yeah. yeah. Well, that's what I was, I think I was going to kind of express a similar idea. Cause it's like, it's different. Cause I can do it conversationally with women. Cause I'd worked on it, yeah. but on camera, it's just a completely different vibe and you got to relearn the skill. So anyways, so you well, think, you think you don't give a fuck anymore? No more. So you can literally turn on what happened? Weed. Yeah, exi- that's exactly what it was. <laughs> yeah, I need to get some weed. I started smoking on a regular basis. And yeah. for me, I would start hitting a vape pen at night 
Uh, and it's really started probably a couple years ago, um, honestly, around the t- you can literally watch my videos and see it in my vibe. But I would hit it at night um, just because I had friends who had vape pens. And so they left one at my place. And I realized if I'm focusing on a fucking problem in my business or just like looking for a solution to something I'm dealing with in the business side of raw dating advice, as soon as I hit that weed, it was like I saw the same problem, but from a different angle. It was like yeah. looking at the dark side of the moon for the first time. And uh, and for me, if I didn't get too high to where I was out of control, but just enough to where my mind kind of went in different directions. Yeah, you stop the overthinking and second guessing and the yeah. internal chatter. And you just start seeing like, oh, why don't I just try this? Oh, why don't I do this? And so honestly, um, a lot of basically my entire business today was built off of like creatively solving solutions uh sometimes with the use of weed at night after i've been working most of the day right uh and so i still use it as a creative tool i was talking to my buddy about this other day who has been a massive pothead before but he's super spiritual now and now he's super into entrepreneurship and stuff and uh he's building like a clothing line called um pink gorilla i think it's pink gorilla or something like that uh (laughs) correct me if i'm wrong i'll feel bad if i got it wrong tall tees no, it's a, I think right now they have a hat, but it's just, a, it's more yeah. a logo and they had CeeLo Green wearing their shit the other day. Oh yeah. So it's fucking legit. And they're I based out of Miami. Fuck you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, so he maybe realized like you got to respect it as a tool, mm-hmm. right? The moment you don't respect it for what it is, you get out of control and that's where you get into addiction and you start getting lazy, playing video games, munchies, yeah. et cetera. And so for me, if I can respect it, it, it became a tool for me. And honestly, it made me a lot more introspective on like what is the root cause of why I feel so like high strung. And so for me, just having that that realization, it's almost like self-therapy. And for me, I just realized I don't give a fuck. Yeah. I just don't give a fuck, right? The only reason I give a fuck is because of ideas that other people put in my head anyways. So it's hard when someone hears just the way to not give a fuck is to not give a fuck. And it's like, it's cool. You see a YouTube video that's motivational, right? It's got the inspirational music. And it's like some dude yelling like, why do you care about what other people think of you? Yeah. And it's like, it's all that stuff. Yeah. But like actually applying it day to day. Okay. A guy comes to you. He super gives a fuck. Yeah. Right. Maybe he's like a seven out of 10. Mm. He has days where he doesn't give a fuck. And then, but it's not consistent for him. Right. What do you say to that guy where he has glimpses of it, but it's not there incorporated into who he is? Yeah. There's this old phrase. Uh, I actually think it was coined by one of the guys on RSD. Have you ever heard of RSD? This Way is back Owen. in the day. Yeah, this Real is social Owen. dynamics. Yeah. He, uh, he, he had this phrase, and I, I only remember it because my roommate, um, back when I was in my pickup days and I was living in Scottsdale, uh, Man, he would say this all the time, and he had this video saved. He's like, your brain needs proof, not promises. You can promise your brain, yo, everything will be okay. Just approach her. Nothing bad's going to happen. But it needs proof before it fucking starts to believe it. And I think that kind of applies to even the what we've been talking about now. So like, what like, does that mean with approaching that example? So, like, proof. with if a girl, like, so, for example, at my boot camp, um, I literally gave a speech about how you need guys need to stop giving so much of a fuck. Uh-huh. And it's even in the documentary. I put this part in. And so I said, for me, what I do when I take my guys out to a bar or nightclub, and I did it at the boot camp as well, is I would literally make them 
get out of their shell. It takes a big fucking moment. You know, motion creates emotion. Tony Robbins says that shit. And so uh, I literally would go into the fucking middle of the dance floor and I would go first because, you know, they're not going to go first. I have to go first if it's my fucking exercise, right? And so I'm like, I'm just going to prove to you guys that I don't give a fuck right now and more just to prove to my own subconscious that I don't give a fuck because the moment you do this, you really don't give a fuck for the rest of the night because you're just riding in that right. high almost. We've all know? had those moments too. Yeah. yeah, and I go into the middle of the fucking bar or the crowded part of the fucking bar and I just start jumping up and down and flailing my arms, dancing like a fucking idiot. And uh, and I do it for a minute and I have them time me, right? And so at the boot camp, I did it and I went first and I had them time me and I looked like a fucking ass and I didn't give a fuck. But maybe I gave a little bit of a fuck. Yeah, mm-hmm. I'm a little bit nervous to go first. Always, mm-hmm. obviously, but I do it immediately after. Nobody can say anything that's going to be embarrass me more than that. Yeah. Nobody. So yeah. I just stopped giving a fuck. And then, so for them, I had a few guys do it. But until you do it, it's hard to believe it. You got to touch the stove to see that it's actually hot, you know? Did you make Chris do it? Uh, no, but I made James do it at the last boot camp. So Chris oh. will probably have to do it at this one. <laughs> He's getting excited for it. Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting, man. Like, I see you and I know you don't give a fuck. And I know some of it's weed, but like a lot of it just comes from like the inner work and pushing through it and pushing yourself and stuff like that, which is why I respect you. But I see a lot of people, this is something I want your take on. It's like what you teach and what you talk about is the opposite of what you do. All right. So I, we see this a lot. Like people, I used to date this girl. All right. This is a perfect example. And she had an aunt who was a marriage family therapist but her home life was a wreck. They were always fighting. They're like divorces, all this stuff. But like she taught people how to be a marriage, how to have a better family because yeah. I feel like she was still trying to incorporate that in her life. A lot of people online, their first business is a business coach. It's like, what the fuck? Like yeah. who, who's not seen this? Like what you haven't started a successful business, but you've read a bunch of books. So yeah. now you're going to be a business coach, but you haven't incorporated that. You haven't walked the talk yet. Yeah. You know, same thing with like dating advice. I'm sure like a lot of guys who like talk a big game with dating advice. And this is what you say to the girl. They have all the theory, but like you look at their results in their relationship or maybe they don't have any and they're like they're weird. Yeah. It's like, what is that about people that are drawn to the thing? We're drawn to teach the things that we still need to incorporate. Yeah. And live. Um, I think more it's just top of mind, tip of tongue is what I, if I had to guess. Um, but if I'm hearing you correctly, it's like, it's like we're kind of teaching the things that we're working on currently. Right. I think for dating, what really makes kind of just, I assume what makes a lot of my advice stand out is that I try to make sure that everything I, I teach does come from experience. I don't want to teach something that I haven't had personal experience with. So, you know, like I even started talking about it recently, like I don't teach a lot of Tinder and Bumble because that was never my thing. My thing was I approached a lot of fucking chicks, right? And yeah. I'll, I'll own that shit. There's a lot of people out there who won't own that and they'll try to teach from other people's experiences or from books they read or they try to talk the talk without having walked the walk. And and for me, I truly believe game recognized game, like the old Jay-Z quote. Mm-hmm. Like I can instantly spot when a guy's full of shit if he's talking about dating vice um, because I've been through it. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And so uh, and so for me, I just try to own that. So I know a lot about some things and some things I don't know a lot about and some things I'll, I'll, I'll be full transparency. Like I struggle with this too. I say this all the time on my dating vice channel. I'm like, yeah, I struggle with this too. I have struggled with this in the past, you know, and I own it. And so 
for me, I try to make it a non-issue. Yeah. Uh, by being more, I guess, just owning it. But on the other hand of that, um, fuck, there was another point that I was going to make. But I don't know. I guess. Well, yeah, like talking about the things you still need to incorporate in your life. Yeah. Do you think it's like we're working on it, so we're obsessed with it and we're learning it, so then we get so, I mean, maybe it's not so mm. maniacal as I'm making it out. Like, fuck these people talking, like, how dare they? But yeah. maybe it's just like honest like when you get really excited and you're learning things that's where true passion comes because yeah. it's still exciting to you yeah like we were talking about before with like the creative burnout once you do it so long you're like kind of burnt out and like oh this again mm. when you're fresh and you're doing it you have all this passion for yeah. it you're like let's go yeah. and so it's natural that that person would give the advice and want to share it yeah so i think i think that's the positive side of it but just i i guess I don't know, man. I just see it a, a ton uh, lately in the business space and it kind of makes me cringe and I can't, I'm, I'm yeah. sick of it. And that's why I distance myself from like pretty much every entrepreneur now, mm. like who flexes on Instagram and yeah. is still in the cars and Lambos and like G wagon. Like I just, I want to vomit. Yeah. This like, I, I get physically sick. I think I this kind of relates to uh, what we were talking about before, kind of like the shit that was in style back then and it's not yeah. in style now. Yeah, you think this is going to be the tall tees and the lost 4, 8, 15, 23 of uh, 10 years from now? I truly think <laughs> Instagrammers who are flexing in front yeah. of like cash, stacks of cash, Lamborghinis, hot girls, yeah. it's out of style. G-wagons. And, yeah. and I have this own theory. And again, this is like a weed thing because you become more introspective. I, I, I like to think in terms of like, energy and law of attraction a little bit more than I was before when I was not there we before go. I ever smoked I anything had that had to do with energy I tuned it out because it's not logical yeah, it's not, not scientific to it. yeah so for me smoking weed being more introspective reflecting on a lot of things and even just thinking about how things connected in my own life and I'm it's like bigger than you it, it is bigger really than me. what it is exactly and so uh I have a on the same lines of that I believe that kind of as a marketplace, what I'm feeling, a lot of people must be feeling too. And so I've just kind of been paying attention to this mm. in the background for the, like the last four years. And I'm noticing like That's your truth. a lot yeah. of people are probably tired of seeing 60 minute long video sales letters that look like a PowerPoint presentation where you think it's only going to last two minutes, but it lasts 60 fucking minutes, right? People are tired of that yeah. shit. They want the free book and they want it sent to them, not the fucking ebook for $80, right. you know? Right. And I think the same thing on social media. People, there's a phase where ranting about your pol political opinions was cool. Now it's fucking annoying. Yeah. There was a phase where it was cool to flex on Instagram. Now it's fucking annoying. Yes. There was a phase where every fucking ad I saw on Instagram was, I just made $50,000 yesterday on Shopify doing drop shipping. Swipe up if you want to learn my strategy. Yeah. And it was a new teenager every fucking day yeah. saying the same shit. And I think now... As a marketplace, if we're feeling it, I feel like the marketplace is feeling the same way. And so I think it's just the next level. Because I was thinking about the movies, bro. Like, back in the day, talking about cancel culture, I watched a movie called School, School for Scoundrels. It had um, Billy Bob Thornton and oh, yeah. uh, the guy from Napoleon Dynamite, John oh, yeah. Hader or whatever. whatever his name is. Yeah. And so it was like, I, I watched it because I realized, now that I'm a dating coach, this is actually a movie about this dating coach trying to get these guys to take his fucking, his event or his little, little thing. Right. Yeah. And it was like $5,000 cash. You got to show up. And he was calling these people fags and stuff in the video. And it was comedy in 2008. But today you drop that word on right. a tweet, you get canceled instantly. Yeah. You know? So I think the times just Or you change. talk about 5g or you talk about 5g, <laughs> bro. We just got this video removed. It's the first one. You want let's not go there. <laughs> I know what you mean, though, like the cancel culture and stuff. Yeah, I, I, I think you hit it, man, with 
you become allergic to the stuff you see over and over again until it becomes repulsive. Like, man, I don't know why. Like, I feel like the e-commerce ads, the e-commerce industry, I feel like are the frat boys of marketing. <laughs> it's just like, God, these guys, they're everywhere. They all look the same. They all have the same, like everything is the yeah. same. It's just like, I don't know, whatever. Uh, maybe I'm bitter because e-commerce sounds a lot, hell of a easier ride than what we're doing. But, uh, yeah. <laughs> you know, it's the quick cash grab. It's just like, are you really passionate about selling yeah. drop shipped plates of cats from China? Like who, like, fuck yeah. You know, <laughs> all the e-commerce guys I've yeah. met are full of shit. Like yeah. maybe an exception of two, especially drop shipping. That's the thing. I feel mm -hmm. like drop shipping, like, I don't know how we got on this rant, but I'll finish it. I met these guys and they're like flexing. Same thing, same thing. Like Instagram, G wagons that weren't theirs, like piles of cash that were fake. Um, you know, freaking like Gucci that was also fake. And they're flexing like in their screenshot, like, oh yeah, this store, 40 grand. Oh, oh, here's another store, 40 grand this month. Oh yeah. shit, ka-ching, was that a sale? You know, like all this stuff. Yeah. And then it's like, oh yeah, that's cool, bro. Um, how much were ads last month? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah, you know, we don't really talk about ads because it's like, you know, money in, money out. We just look at the bigger picture. We're above it. Like, you know, you focus on gains, not on losses, Clark. That's like, I'm like, okay, that's cool. But like a business standpoint, you look at net, not gross. Everyone knows that. You pay taxes on it, right? Like, Not everyone. Just the people who have a business right, have dealt with this right, stuff. Right, and That's why you see people, I made $5 million last yeah. year, but I paid out 4.9. You know, it's like sick. You made 100 yeah. grand. I would rather have 100 grand and not the overhead of 4.9. So anyway. And punchline, their ad spend is always like 40K. And it's yeah. like, great, you made two grand last month. You're going to look like a baller, but you're really a baller on caviar taste on a hot dog budget. You know what yeah. I mean? It's like, yeah. how cool is that? Like, yeah. I anyway. think anybody who has real business experience will know that shit. And that's the stuff that the fucking armchair business experts who their first business is being a business expert. Dude, I can't even They'll talk never about, even know I that type of shit. You know that, what I'm dude. saying? I don't even want to talk about that. It's like any, you know, any <laughs> chick. All right. I see this a lot more with women than I do men. Yeah. Just calling it how it is on Instagram. I see these girls. Add me, bro. Adam. Adam. <laughs> <laughs> I want to talk. No. Yeah. yeah, I know. But like I see it's like I see it like five times a day. I'm not even kidding. It's like a woman with an overexposed and her laptop's out and she's laughing really expressively. Yeah. And she has a cup of coffee and the, the copy's hella girly with like, mm. you got this, you know, like yeah. fuck that. And it's kind of like edgy and mm. whoa, whoa, whoa and stuff. And she's a business coach. And yeah. then when I do a little digging, I go to the YouTube channel and her first video is business. And it's like, okay, you're a business coach starting successful businesses. And then, okay, let's tie this all back in. Cause I've thought about this a lot. It's like, she loves talking about business because it's not that she doesn't know business or internet marketing. She knows it because she's tried it and failed a lot, right? So what you're left with at the end of trying and failing, trying and failing, trying and failing is not experience of how to do it right, but experience of how to do it wrong. And so you're always teaching people from the experience of doing it wrong because your only success is teaching people how to be successful, but you've never had it, yeah. right? Does that make sense? So like I've, I've tried my best in my career, because I know people are going to be like, well, what about you, Clark? You talk about how to do a YouTube channel and you have a YouTube, like, isn't that the same thing? It's like, no, I always try my best. to. He like, also has a plaque on his wall. <laughs> I got two. No. Yeah. Flex. Yeah. No, you know what I mean, though? Like, I always try to, like, do it. Same thing with what you said. Incorporate it, live it to the best I can before I teach it. And, yeah. like, unless it's something like, 
losing weight or whatever like who really cares if you're doing a fitness challenge and you're mm-hmm. open like hey i'm still doing this like no one's really no one really cares but like you know if you're teaching people fundamental stuff that's life-changing like making money you better make sure you're getting advice from like good people who are doing it in an authentic way too which is a whole other rant we could go on how scummy the industry is of like dirty in you know unethical marketers and stuff and yeah. like you know people say like f- like flexing stupid stores with yeah uh 2k profit but like there's people who like fake screenshots that's a whole other thing right oh, shoot, fake yeah. testimonials fake... i've had people fake receipts and ask for a refund <laughs> oh my there's just it's just like it's just you become numb to it and you realize like you can't fight it you just have to accept it and not hold on to it and move on because you know that there's 99% of people who are great who are awesome who are living life are super cool but there's that one percent that fucks the whole batch right yeah it's like that one customer out of a hundred that's an asshole or that one customer who goes above and beyond to like get a refund and like i had a guy like threaten to like track me down and come beat me up if i didn't refund it was just like this is i don't even like to hold on to that stuff anymore it's like a bad energy you know so i just like okay so are you doing a lot of your own support right now no i don't do any of it i have a i have a woman who is in the philippines who i've worked with for two years okay yeah she's cool i have chris doing a lot of a lot of it now oh um but he hates you i've (laughs) well i've never depends on the volume once it's like tony robbins says once you don't clean your toilets anymore you're never going to go back to cleaning your toilets it's like once you stop doing customer service you're never going to go back to doing it because it's yeah. just it's 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 a lot of negative energy. People oh, don't so bad, email dude. customer service if they're happy. Yeah, you know. Don't ever look. Yeah, uh, the the best thing if you're a digital entrepreneur in digital marketing, right, and you have products, is never look at refunds. Get like a report maybe that you check once a Take month notes. <laughs> or like once a week. I have her send me a, a refund list once a month. And this whole thing, you're like, oh, that's expensive. That's a lot to set up. It's like, no, it's pretty common sense. Just write down everything you're doing on a day-to-day with customer support, like sending logins, checking receipts, refunding, going back and forth, all that stuff. And then you give it to someone on Upwork. I pay like 30 bucks a week to have all that peace of mind gone. And now, excuse me. That's the third one coming up. Now that peace of mind is worth 30 bucks a week. And like, I'm so more motivated to create because I never see the bad stuff unless it's really bad. Then it goes to me. There's like a couple layers, right? But it's 30 bucks a week. You know what I mean? So if you're trying to like grow your business or whatever, you can't be held back from refunds. Chris, your job is safe, by the way. I'm not going to start paying you 30 bucks a week. (laughs) Well, that's like the thing that crushes you, man. I remember when I first got started, I would look at like unsubscribes from emails, from YouTube, from uh, unfollows, you know, uh, refunds. And it would just crush me. I'm like, am I bad? Am I? And it's like, no, this just didn't vibe with this person. And like, look at the other 99 people who loved it and didn't return it. So it's like, I don't know, man. There's it, people out there who that's how they get attention. Like at the end of the day, it's what, like a lot, some people just want attention. Yeah. They just want to feel significant. They want to make someone else feel negative emotion. And it's just like I saw a video that went viral recently of this lady who when fucking exposing the coronavirus. Yeah. The fuck she was at the grocery store and they wouldn't let her in because she didn't have a mask on. And she's like, ah, uh, excuse me. I have a condition where I can't wear a mask and I'm actually not allowed to do it. And they're like, okay. Uh, and she's like, yeah. well, I can't, I, I don't want to have to show you any documents because it's against HIPAA. 
It's yeah. like, what the yeah. fuck are you saying, lady? Yeah. Just wear a mask or go somewhere else. And it's like people just need to raise hell to get attention. And so I've had, I, I've seen some emails to the customer service where they're like, I'm going to sick you with the best lawyers. And yeah, the they're crazy, dude. They're and crazy it, people. And it's like, even if they're not even asking for a refund, some people just have to threaten people. It's just how they get their rocks off yeah. at the end of the day. Yeah. And it's how they feel good about anything because nothing else in their life is good. Right, it, it, which is ironic because yeah. I saw a movie last night on Hulu. Um, Hulu has this whole horror uh, themed. Th- it's called Into the Dark or something, and so they have a bunch of movies yeah. that are the produced by the Into the Dark, and it's the Hulu horror, and they each have different themes. But this one really made me think last night because it was about like this dude who showed up to the hotel and the guy who was at the hotel just kept playing these pranks on him and like it ended up getting like murderous and stuff but at the end it comes full circle because uh this guy actually deserved it because he was like one of the top internet trolls in the world and everybody hated him and he was anonymous on twitter and this guy the crazy guy got him to admit it on camera and posted the video and then like um this all the murders got got pinned on him and everybody hated him because he was the hater and it's funny how we're talking about haters and trolls now because that guy in the movie actually hated his life and wanted to die by the end of it right and that's why they they bring that type of it's it's like yeah and when you realize that you have to turn this like fuck you for refunding my course. Like I've, I'm not, I don't do this every time, but like I try as much as, by I the can. way, I want to, I want guys who are watching this, who have ever bought a course for me. It's not like everybody's trying to refund our courses, yeah. but it's obviously like a, it's a it ex- small, small, small yeah. percent. I think the industry standards, 20%. Are you serious? Yeah. It's we were small. down like way little. Yeah. We're about a lot like less than that. Three, two. Exactly, you know? bro. Yeah. It's like, it's pretty normal. Like 20% you're selling a ClickBank product. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, let's just yeah. be real. But I was going to say like, when you realize that it's a hurt person doing all that who doesn't have any other outlet, you're able to transform it. And again, I don't do this every time. I still get caught up in emotions, but I try to have like compassion towards them and like be like, even if it's a negative comment, especially that I'm way better when there's no money attached to it. When it's like, you know, a negative comment on a YouTube video, it's like, all right, who cares? Like I'm so numb to it. They could say anything on a YouTube comment. And I like, I'm just numb. Yeah. You know, like my first videos were shirtless with Paramore. Like you think I got hate, like I just got numb to it, dude. And so like, I see that and I just like feel bad for them. And it's like, you know, it bugs you a little bit, but then you really think about it for like half a second. And you're like, Oh, this person, I know, I know pretty much everything about them based on how they said that comment and the three misspelled words and bad grammar in it. And like, you know, five explanation points and stuff and what they're complaining about. Like if you have a big problem, you're a small person, right? Like if you have, if you're a level four person, a level like five problem on the grand scheme of things is huge. But if you're like a level eight person, you know, all of a sudden you look at a level four and you're like, Oh, whatever. Like, why am I complaining about no vegan dick sprinkles in my soy vanilla latte at Starbucks? You know, it's like who, like who's really complaining about that besides level four. So it just transforms. And, uh, that's all I'll say about that, Patrick. (laughs) No, I totally get it, man. Like, and I think, I think where a lot of the the area gets grayed and blurred with, especially with like haters online and trolls and stuff is sometimes I'll catch myself wanting to make a little comment that I'm like, Oh, that's a quick witted comment. I think it's funny. And then I'll, I, I won't post it because once I do, I'll delete it and I go, Oh, this person, if they don't know me and they read it with the wrong tonality, that wasn't implied, they'll go, Oh, this guy's a troll. 
This guy's a fucking hater. But sometimes it's fun, though. Sometimes yeah. you got to let yourself do that. Like, fuck it, dude. So then I realized on the flip side, oh, sometimes if you or I might perceive a troll, what if it's really just a dude who's like, oh, that was a funny thing. I had to do it, you know? Oh, yeah. His tone was different. Yeah. Like, so yeah, I think yeah, maybe yeah. the motivation yeah. isn't always that because it could also, knowing from like teaching guys how to text women, yeah. it could also depend on what emotional state are you in when you read the text because you might read it in a completely different tone. Right, right. And you can't pick up on that yeah. yet. Yeah. So I think I think the online is just we're basing so much stuff in the world politically uh, just based off of like YouTube. Like Joe Rogan got paid $100 million to go to Spotify because YouTube is fucking up with their censorship shit, you know. And now he has full freedom on Spotify and they paid him a hell of a lot of money, right? Yeah. So the whole world of comments affecting businesses – People getting canceled, people, companies dictating what information can and can't be talked about uh, in a public forum, right? Yeah, this it's ridiculous. This is driving the world, but I think what's crazier is it's all just our implied interpretations on what we think this person meant when they wrote that comment. You know, a lot of times it could be the guy who hates his life and he's thrown hate, or it could be the guy who thinks he's funny and doesn't realize he's kind of being a dick. Yeah. And then there and any gamut in between in that, you know, and then yeah. we all take it in whatever way we want to take it. Yeah. That's why video is like badass. I think it's the best form um, or audio too. At least you can hear the voice and the inflections in it and the tonalities and whatnot and the sarcasm. Yeah. It's like reading a transcript is totally different, right? It's yeah. like, I don't know, man. I, text form is great for some things, but like the 2020, 2021, you know, I think it's all video audio. I feel like, there's a breaking point coming. I really do. Well, like, we're going back to blogs. With internet sensitivity, just like people being oh, sensitive yeah. on the internet. Oh, it's people like social justice warriors. It's I happened. Think, it's pushed back. Yeah. I mean, just look at like, I don't know, just look at like the things like Jordan Peterson or Ben Shapiro or anyone in that kind of sphere and like the views they get, dude. Like you go to some of those videos and I don't really follow them religiously. I don't really follow like that whole like political SJW stuff. Um, but I look at the views and I'm like, holy shit, these yeah. guys are popping off and yeah. all these. And then I get kind of sad because I scroll to the comments and it's like, again, you have the extreme, right? And I think we can all agree extremes are bad. It's like, okay, extreme left of like uh, every single white male is a piece of shit and had everything handed to them and they should be blah, blah, blah. Like get on your knee. Bad. But all the way left or right of like watching every single Jordan Peterson destroys so-and-so and having a comment where some guy's bitching about his ex-wife and how women are sluts and blah, blah, blah. You know, it's like, yeah. okay, bad. It's like, what's the middle? And I think that's that's the really like granularities where like most people are in the middle, but I feel like, you know, the past 20 years or whatever, the middle was more this way. And, you know, I lean pretty right and I'm pretty conservative and stuff like that. So it's like kind of like, oh, okay, over here. But now it's like pushing back this way, I think. And it's kind of that sliding, sliding scale. Yeah. Yeah. I've never been one who's like, I've never paid attention to politics enough to have a educated opinion on any of it. Because yeah. honestly, I've like my whole life, I've been so Who'd you vote focused. for? You vote for Trump? I didn't even vote. Like I, like yeah. I felt like I was doing people a disservice by voting because I pay so little attention to it. Wow. You know? I wish like 90% of America was that way. Right. Like, <laughs> I, like, I don't know. It's a, it's a, it's a fundamental right. Yeah. Right? Like to vote and whatnot, but it is, I did vote against Barack Obama in 2008. That's the one and only time. Who's I he voted. running against? Um, I don't even remember. Al Mitt Romney. 
Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, something like that. <laughs> the nobody remembers the first place <laughs> yeah. loser, you know. Yeah. <laughs> I know, right? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, who would you vote for if it was Trump or um either Hillary or Biden? What whatever. Yo, you're gonna divide my audience on episode one. <laughs> <laughs> I just want to get the good stuff out of you. Honestly, I who have no for? idea. I've been so like not paying attention to it really? that I don't even want to split people's opinions in the comment section based like on my opinion. I read his books before he was ever president, and yeah. I really respected a lot of his viewpoints on business. Did you ever read? I'm just gonna say that we want you to be rich. Oh, uh, him and Robert. How to Kiyos- get rich? No, him and Robert Kiyosaki, rich dad, poor dad. Okay. They wrote a book, but you could clearly tell they didn't write it. It was some <laughs> ghost writers, and it was like the yeah. biggest, like worst written, confusing book. And every other page, dude, it was why we want you to get rich. Yeah, it was Trump and Robert Kiyosaki, and every other page, I kid you not, was them walking on a golf course. Mm. It was like the most random book, anyway. Yeah. But yeah, yo, speaking of ghost writers, do you think? What do you think is worse? People who don't know what they're talking about and coach and run their business acting like they know what they're talking about or people who who know what they're talking about but don't even write about the shit that they know. They get ghostwriters instead who have zero idea what they're talking about. Well, respect for steering it away from politics first. That's that's a smart, oh, shit. Move. <laughs> a smart move. I'm just ADD, bro. But um, I, I don't know. I You're right. I've never actually thought about that because I guess – like my frustration with coaching, right, in the coaching industry, how is that any different than like a Forbes or a HuffPost or any big article magazine that's like for entrepreneurs that puts out entrepreneurial articles that maybe aren't written by actual entrepreneurs? Yeah. Like how is that any different? How is that any different than journalism? How is that any different than whatever? And I think when I really like pause and go back to it, I think it goes back to like those brands aren't necessarily branding them as one person. It's like a collective and a collective voice. And, you know, they have overhead and oversight and hopefully expertise and all credentials and stuff. And they just need content and they need content. You kind of understand it. But when it's like a singular, singular person, it seems a bit more disingenuous to like pull off like this business mentor, this business coach, this vibe, right? This aura of like, I've done it before or like I can help you do it because I know experience. It's like, no, again, the failure is the experience, not the success of it. Mm. Am I being too harsh? Like, I, I feel like, I don't know. I'm just frustrated with it because like, I don't know. I, I see it as almost like a cash grab. Yeah. Because it's, it's a, this is the thing. I think this is why I'm frustrated with it because I had a point where I'm like, I could go all in on business coaching. Like we made a hundred grand last year, just teaching people like some business stuff. Right. I'm like, I could go all in here and be very, very successful. But if I stop doing and like, you know, be fine. But I feel like I still haven't earned that right to mm. go all in on that. And I respect yeah. it a lot. Yeah. And when I hire coaches, I hope that they respect it too in the title. Right. And I think it should be a transformational business, not just a transactional one. Right. And I feel like the people who just go there and they skip steps and they go straight to business coaching, they disrespect the entire process that goes into earning that. Yeah. Right. And it's like they're making it a transactional business where it's like, oh, business coaching is a good niche. I'll charge a 997 or 1997 yeah. group mastermind Facebook because I have business photos yeah. of a laptop and I've been to Bali, you know, mm. and like I write edgy content and stuff and they, they disrespect it and they turn that transformational process into a transactional one. Yeah. <clears throat> I think there's, I have a lot of viewpoints on a lot of what you just said there. Um, I don't think you're being harsh cause I see where you're coming from. Uh, also, I'm just, <laughs> yeah. 
I think this is (laughs) Alex Jones. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, I think I was even thinking about this earlier when we were talking about this. Um, I kind of the way I overcome this is the point I forgot to make earlier um, is everything I teach. I try to make sure I visualize it like it's like steps on a on like a timeline, right? Checkpoints. And so I'm just 10 steps ahead of the person I'm coaching. Mm. Right. And so even when I move, I'm, which means I'm also still on the fucking path. I'm still taking steps. Right. And so for me, I'm in a relationship now, but I was in a massive pickup phase before I got in a relationship, right. but a relationship doesn't mean my life is over. It means I'm growing because relationships are a whole new skill. Hopefully that's the goal of why you want to pick up in the first place. Exactly. Right. right? Like the, yeah. Yeah, so it depends on where you are at on this timeline, and you're going to go through phases. You're going to go through phases where you want nothing to do with a relationship. You're going to go through phases where you're like, I'm kind of tired of this surface-level bullshit. I want to go deeper with someone. Yeah. You know, and so uh, when I teach, I'm teaching from like, I'm just, I'm on the same path as you. I'm just ahead of you, right? And on the second hand- But you have results, though. Right, that's that's exactly- That's the big distinction. You approached, I don't know how many, you know, like all this stuff, like- the results need to be the thing that people look to, not yeah. Instagram photos. So and that's I where I get mad, man. The ethical argument of what you were saying yeah. is like, I wasn't going to start a dating advice business until I had worked on it myself right. and gotten the results. And I actually thought about this because I edited the interview that me and Chris did yesterday for the dating advice channel because he was like, well, did you always have good game or what was it for you that motivated you to get good game? Was it because you wanted to be a dating coach is kind of how he asked it. And for me, at first it started with, I just wanted the results. But then when I realized I was getting good enough results to where, hey, I could actually teach guys this, um, then it became about, can I be the best? Mm. And so I definitely, I treated it the same way I treated basketball. I had to have the best game. I walked in, I felt like it was game night. You know, Friday night, lights are on. I'm about to go out in front of the crowd. Rolling into Dakota and Scottsdale, Arizona, I felt exactly like it was game night. And the first girls I talked to, it's warm up. And then when I'm warmed up, the game starts. People are kind of getting into their conversational flow. And now I'm talking to people and just everything's going good vibes, good times. If it wasn't good vibes, good times, I needed to go towards the good vibes, good times, right? But it became a system. It became a game for me. Literally, it was a game and I had to be the best. And that was because I didn't want to be the guy who was teaching shit. I didn't know what the fuck I was talking about. I wanted to be the guy who knew what the fuck I was talking about. And so I think maybe the answer is the people who don't do that. um, I kind of what I was seeing it before I kind of went on that rant was maybe they are or just don't have the motivation or the 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 fucking chip on their shoulder to be the best yeah. or they're early on in their journey and they're starting out and they just have to learn those lessons the hard way. Yeah. Yeah, it's weird, man. It's like I feel like I don't know, maybe it's a we we talk about limiting beliefs, we talk about not giving a fuck, we talk about like putting yourself out there and like trusting the process, right? But sometimes I think people <laughs> The extreme of that can be like trusting yourself too much, right? Like, who is it? Aristotle talks about a vice of excess and a vice of deficiency and that the middle path is always good, right? Like every ancient teacher. And like jumping out of a parachute or jumping out of a plane with no parachute, that's stupid, right? That's dumb. That's like too much. But like being afraid that every single time anyone jumps out of a plane is going to hit the ground and die, that's being like, too little you know you need some balls and whatnot 
I don't even know how I was going to tie that back. That's the third <laughs> beer kicking in right there. The third beer. Yeah, I got a piss too. I don't know how long we've been going. Yeah, you broke the seal. Uh, we're about an hour and a half in, bro. Let's get some food. Really? <laughs> oh, yeah. 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 How long you normally go? Well, this is the first time we're doing this, so I actually kind of want to make these um, uh, several hours, bro. Like, cause I love oh, really? being able to go on tangents, but I also want you know model the fucking guy at the top, Joe Rogan. His the way he set up his podcast is perfect. Uh-huh. He has the main fucking things on the main channel, and he doesn't pollute it with other types yeah. of content. And then the clips, cause we went on how many different conversations did we have? The clips will be on a second channel, and that also sometimes brings attention to the actual podcast. The reason I even found Joe Rogan in the first place is because I went super deep down the rabbit hole of, um, did OJ really do it? And I fucking read his book. I fucking watched every video I could and I'm convinced he fucking did it. But that was the time he, (laughs) if I did it. Yeah, bro. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. If I did it. And then he gives you a detailed description of exactly what happened and exactly how he did it and exactly the mind state he was in when he was doing it, man, you were fucking insane, bro. Yeah. So that's how I found Joe Rogan is because I started getting suggested his clips on where he talked about it, but you could, I would never have found the actual three hour long podcast. And so I'm going to somewhat model that podcast model to where you'll be able to listen to this podcast wherever podcasts are streamed but the full thing will be on this channel and then we'll end up starting a second clips channel um obviously after after the videos are posted so that's sick dude well i'm stoked i was able to come out and give it a test run yeah um now that we know the cameras weren't recording for the whole hour and a half you know (laughs) we're fucked you're only gonna get the audio for this one (laughs) you know yeah (laughs) yeah dude but i'm stoked for you man anytime we'll have to yeah yeah, we'll have to have you on again because there's so much that i feel like we kept could have talking about yeah but it's we're an hour and a half in let's just save it for another time we haven't even gone down the alien rabbit hole and that was the thing i thought we were gonna end up talking about bro i mean it depends your call i could pee and crack another beer and we could be here for aliens but i know kate has been blowing on my phone like yo we gotta go get some food right now yeah Uh, (laughs) but next time we're gonna go down the elliot rabbit hole yeah definitely definitely all right guys so subscribe if you haven't already look forward to more podcasts coming soon and we'll see you next time peace out